Amen. Well, let's get to it. Um, these past two weeks, hope you guys have been here. We've been uh, kind of establishing um, some getting to know God principles, some things about getting to know God. Amen. And uh, that first week, we talked a little bit about worldview and um, how the world is kind of off track as far as the the biblical worldview that that we used to have and that we need to have um and we've figured out that most people don't know god they know who he is they know about him but they don't know him and so we want to make sure everybody in this room knows god before uh before we finish this little series and so we uh last week we went all the way back to the beginning because how many know you got to go back to get to know somebody? You, you, you kind of get to know their history. You know a few things about them. You ask some questions about, you know, where you been? Who are you? What, what do you like? And so we went back to the beginning, right? And we learned that, that in the beginning, which is the first three little words of the Bible, in the beginning, God was thinking about me. He was thinking about you. He had purpose when he said in the beginning. He wanted us to know that we were in his thoughts in the beginning, right? And so we learned that the reason for the heavens and all of the rest of creation outside of the earth, the reason for that was for the earth. Everything else was created to minister to or give service to the earth, right? And then we learned that the earth was created for man or mankind. And when the Bible says man, he's not talking about a man. He's talking about mankind. Okay? And so the earth was created for mankind. And everything that was created in it was for our pleasure and our use. Nothing was created for no reason. Right? And then we learned that man was created for the father heart of God. God had a father heart. He wanted children. He wanted fellowship. And so man was created for that fellowship. Amen? And so we tried to answer some big questions like, uh, where did I come from? Or why am I here? Or where am I going? Those kind of big life questions, right? And so to answer those, we got to get to know God. We got to know who he is. And so that's why we're spending some time getting to know him. So we all agree, I guess, that, that we know that we're here to fellowship with him. And I hope we all are doing that intentionally and purposefully. That's what we just did in worship, fellowshipping with him. This is what he created us for, right? He has that father-child relationship that he wants with us. With We learned a word last week, didn't we, Lord? It's Elohim. That is a word that means God, very God. And it means the creator God. And, um, and so he wants a relationship with us because he created us for that. And, um, you know, sin came in the world and broke that relationship. When sin came in, that, thing, that very thing that God created us for was broken. And so Jesus had to come to put it back together again. In, in simple terms. But let's think what, 
you know, when we're going back, we need to spend some time. We're not going to go through the the six days of creation, but but we do need to see what was created. What was it? What was it supposed to look like? As we're getting to know God, He created us for for certain things, and so let's look at how He intended it to look, because He didn't create it so it would break and fall, even though He knew it. But he created it a certain way for a certain reason. And so as we're getting to know him, we want to see what, it, what was it supposed to look like? What did God want it to look like? So let's look in uh, Genesis chapter 1. And let's start in uh, verse 26. Genesis 1, 26. It says, And God said, And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And on and on and on. And then in verse 30, uh, 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Right? We've heard that before now, right? And so in the, in the verses before all of that, when God was creating everything else... God actually spoke to something. Like, God's Word created the heavens. And when He spoke, He spoke to something. Like, He spoke to molecules come together and create this. And He spoke to this. And you do that. And this grow. And, and you grow there. And water you divide. And sun you shine. He spoke to something. Right? But notice in this verse, God is speaking to Himself. He's not speaking to anything. He's speaking to himself. He says, let us make man in our image after our life. He's talking to himself, right? He's speaking to himself. Do you ever talk to yourself? Maybe you say in your head, you think, I'm going to go over there and help that person, you know, or, or, um, you know, pick up that Bible and read. Why don't you? You ever tell yourself that or, you know, how about get yourself up and go to the gym? We need to tell ourselves to do that, right? You're, you're talking to yourself. You're speaking to yourself. And remember that God is a, a triune God. That's a weird word. He is a trinity God. He's a three-part being. Amen? He's not three persons, but he's a three-part person. Three-part being. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Or Holy Ghost. Father, Son, Holy Ghost is God. And so he's communicating with his three-part self at the moment of this creation, right? Remember that word Elohim is a plural word, right? It accounts for the Trinity. And so God's talking to himself, and or he's speaking to himself, and he's saying, I'm going to lay out a blueprint for humankind. Let, let, me, let me lay it out to myself. Humankind. And so, God in his triune self created a trinity being for fellowship. We are a triune being. Spirit and soul and body. Because we're created in his image. And it's interesting, I was... Studying a little bit about this whole verse, it says, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. 
the the Hebrew words here are very interesting. And, and Jessica and I had a conversation about Hebrew words and how they have meaning, but then when you put more than one together, it takes on a whole new meaning. Not a different meaning, but a deeper meaning. And so the Hebrew word for image, let us make man in our image, is a word that means resemblance. I'm not going to pronounce the word because I don't speak Hebrew. But it's a Hebrew word means resemble image means resemblance. And so when you put that Hebrew word together with the other word that means likeness, it takes on a deeper meaning. So this Hebrew word, this other Hebrew word means likeness. So you have a resemblance and likeness. And when you put those two Hebrew words together, the Hebrew commentary says this about the combination of those two words. It says, likeness added together with image tells us that the divine image that man bears is one corresponding to the original pattern. That's pretty darn cool. We are created according to the original pattern, and that original pattern is God himself. He's the blueprint for us. Right? And so, the way that that's written, it just cannot, you can't deny it. God created us to be like him. He created us to be like him. Now, some people have a problem with with that phrase, I'm created to be like God, because they take it out of context, say, oh, you want to be God. You want to be like God. You want to be God. But the truth is, is that we were created to be just like God. Right? And it's important to remember that God is a spirit being, and he created us as spirit beings. See, people think this is me, but this is not me. This this is not me. I'm a spirit. You are a spirit being. Our earthly bodies are just houses that we live in, that we, we, we process life and activity inside on this earth. Right? And if you study Genesis 2, 7, you'll see that God formed our physical body from dirt he formed us from dirt and then he he formed us with blood so he formed us from the dirt and he formed us with blood and you think he'd come up with something better to make us with than dirt right you know we're we're kind of important why would he make us out of dirt okay but god's smart he's a smart god we know that right And our earthly bodies were even created for a very significant purpose. The way that he created us was, he had a reason. He had a reason. He knew the beginning and the end all at the same time. Right? He knew, he knew what was going to happen. We have a hard time sometimes wrapping our brain around the idea that, that God knew that we would fall. That we would that that Adam would fail. He knew it. And and you, well, why did he just? Why didn't he do something about it then? You know, all these crazy questions. 
But God knew. He knew that we would need a redemption plan. He didn't make up the redemption plan of Jesus after Adam sinned. He created us with the redemption plan. He knew. He knew what would be required for us to win. Amen? And so he created us as creatures with blood. There's a reason. If you do a, a, a study of the name Adam, you done that before? The name Adam, you look at the root word of the name Adam. It's derived from a, a root word that is dom, it means blood. Adam comes from a root word, a parent word, they call it, dom, and it means blood. But this parent word, lots of other words are derived from that word, okay? Like the word adama is the feminine form of adam, and it means ground, all right? And edom means red, right? And all of those words have the common thread of the word red, what we call red, the color of red, all right? So dom is the red blood. Dom means blood, but it also has a, has a understanding that it's red. And so dom is red blood. And adama is red ground. And edom is the color of red. And Adam, or Adam, is red man. Isn't that cool? And there's other connections between like Adam and Adama, like you find in Genesis 2, 7, that, that Adam was taken from Adama. And, and, so, and so on, so on. You can do a Hebrew study of these words and just go, you know, have your mind blown. But in the, in the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, the words of a person's name, it wasn't just your name. You know, you had a name for a reason. It was an identifier of your character. A Hebrew name was, was a, a description of, of your character and who you are, right? And so Adam was formed out of the ground, and his name actually identifies his origin, that's cool, right? That's really cool. So let's look at Le uh, Leviticus 17.11 real quick. Leviticus 17.11. It says, For the life of the body is in its blood. Did you know your life is in your blood? People think it's in their brain, you know, or, you know, in their organs. It's in their blood. For the life of the body is in its blood, and I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Don't you know God created us from the dirt and gave us blood for a reason? He knew what he was doing, amen? He knew what he was doing. And so all of that to say this is that you were created in the image and the likeness of God. 
that's good to know. When you want to know God, you're getting to know God. It's good to know that you were created in his image. And we've heard it all our life, but there's more to it than I'm created in the image of God. Right? And so, you were created a spirit being. Just like God is a spirit being. Your body, that's this, right? Your body was created to be subordinate to that spirit. In other words, your spirit was created to rule over your mind and your body. Your body was never created to be in charge of you. And so, we know that we're a spirit being. Everybody said amen. But God gave us some other qualities. That's great. We're a spirit being just like God. But he gave us a lot of other things that we don't think about. For one, he gave us a free will. When he created you, he gave you free will. Now, if God just imparted unto you his own will, the world would look a lot different right now, right? It would look a lot different. There'd be a lot of robots around here. We would all be robots. And there wouldn't be any authentic relationship with him, which is what his heart's desire was in the first place. God created us in this unique way for a reason. I saw something on Facebook the other day, and it said, or I think it was yesterday, it said some guy was posting, it's in that Facebook group that's like what's happening around Auburn or something like that. And this guy says, you know, be on the lookout at at exit 51 for the cop that's hiding in the bushes writing tickets. And people were making comments under that, you know, about he's just trying to get his quota and he wants a new car and, you know, y'all to slow down and this and that. And and uh, kind of some arguments, you know, as people like to do, they like to argue over anything. And so this one person said, well, if it were a matter of safety, they would put a governor on every car. You know, a governor is one of those little devices that makes your car only go so, so fast, and then you can't go past that. You can only go 62 miles an hour or whatever. It's called a governor. And so this person said, well, if it was a matter of safety, then they would just put a governor on every car. And this person was implying that every car should be forced or mandated to go the speed limit. All right? And while that sounds all nice, you know, it made me think about God and free will. We're not going to debate whether we should put governors on the cars or not. But it made me think about our free will. And some people think if, if God had just put governors on us, you know, we wouldn't be stepping out of line all the time. If, if God wanted this or if he wanted that, he'll just make me do it. He'll just make me do it. I'm just going to go along, and if God wants me to do something, he'll make me do it. Well, that's the same as saying we're going to put a governor on every car and make people go a certain speed limit, and they don't have a choice. You just took the choice off. And God did not put governors on our free will or on our wills. 
He freed them up. We are without governors on our will, which means we can obey or not. Love him or not. It's a choice. We can make our own choice. And so it's, a, it's an amazing gift to have that free choice. God gave it to you. He gave you that free choice. Without that kind of freedom, we'd just be another member of the animal kingdom. We'd just be smarter monkeys or something, I guess. <laughs> we'd be puppets. But God's kind of fellowship with us had to come from a deep love that only comes from freedom to choose that love. Amen? And that love is what causes us to choose to obey Him. See, this all fits together. Loving Him causes us to want to obey Him. Amen? Let's look at John chapter 14. John 14, verse 21. We'll start there. This is Jesus talking. John 14, 21. Jesus says, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. See how important obedience is? People want revelation, but they're not walking in obedience. And then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but Judas the other one, he said to the Lord, Lord, why are, you why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them. And we will come and make our home with each of them. And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. It's just that simple. God knew that some people would love him, and he knew that some wouldn't. He knew it, yet he gave us that free will anyway. All right, so we're getting to know God. Know this, when you know God, he loved you so much that he gave you a choice whether to love him back or not. That's pretty good, huh? All right, another thing that he gave us. When he was creating us, when he created Adam, he created man with great intelligence. So we talked about the spirit. Remember, we're a three-part being. The spirit with a free will. But he also he created man with a, an amazing intelligence that we're talking about our mind. Have you ever thought about the fact that Adam named every single creature on the entire planet? That took some great intelligence right there. He sorted them. He, he identified them. He named them with purpose. And science says that we only use about 10% of our brain. If you've studied science, we only use utilize about 10% of the functioning capacity of our brain. And so what's up with that other 
is what I want to know. <laughs> God's ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. But the scripture tells us that Adam and God walked with each other, talked with each other, fellowship together. Now, how do you think they communicated? Did, God, did Adam have to sit under a tree and wait for God to get there and, and then them have a... No. They communicated spirit to spirit. Remember, the body Adam was in was just a house that he lived in to operate in the earth. But he's a spirit being, so he communicated with God spirit to spirit. And man understood God. God didn't have to talk down to Adam. He didn't have to dumb down the conversation. Adam was brilliantly smart. He was smart. And all of the wonders of the universe and all that God had created, Adam understood all that. It didn't take him, you know, super scientist to to research and hundreds of years to figure out whether the earth was flat or round or how far we are from the sun. Adam knew all of that. He knew, he knew all of that. All of the mysteries that people talk about God is so such a mystery. God, uh, Adam knew all of that. That wasn't hidden from Adam. He was super smart. There wasn't any math problem no scientific formula, no language that he didn't know. Right? God would not have created a man with such an amazing capacity for intellect and then told him, well, you can only use 10% of it. No, he, he, he used it all. There was nothing lacking from Adam's intellect except this one thing. The knowledge of good and evil. That one thing was hidden from him. Was veiled from him. The one thing that God was protecting Adam from, the one thing that Adam didn't know anything about was the knowledge of good and evil. It was veiled in that, behind that tree, in that whatever fruit. Don't eat that. Boy, did we mess that one up. Didn't we? We, we always blame it on Adam, but, you know, we can say we. And so in our quest to know God, <laughs> we got to understand that God did not withhold any good thing from our understanding. We may have a hard time understanding it now because we've put man's twist on it. But God didn't create us with any wondering about his character and his nature. Adam had all of the revelation of that. Amen? Another thing God gave us at creation was a perfect physical body. This makes some people happy. God created our bodies to last forever. They weren't supposed to deteriorate, break down, wear out, right? Man was created an eternal spirit with an eternal body. 
There wasn't anything. The, the word mortal and immortal weren't words because there was no such thing. There wasn't, there wasn't any mortality. Adam and Eve's bodies were perfect. And they didn't go to the gym to get them that way. <laughs> and they didn't even need to cover them up. Right? They were perfect. And they were created for a purpose. And the purpose of them was to house their spirit. So they could interact on this earth. So they could feed the giraffes. And go swimming. Right? And so we're getting to know God, right? We know now that He created us for His fellowship. We know that He created us as spirit beings with perfect minds and perfect bodies. And that sounds, you know, kumbaya-ish, right? So awesome. But God didn't want us just sitting around like counting the daisies all day long. That's not, he didn't create us and then say, just sit around, enjoy your perfect body. Right? He gave us some things to accomplish. Some responsibilities. Do y'all know what the responsibilities? Let's figure them out. Here we go. Let's look at Genesis 1 again. Go back to Genesis 1. Uh, Verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, right back where we were, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Now keep your finger right there. We're going to read some more, but it says that our first responsibility was to have dominion. That's our job. Let us create man in our likeness and give him dominion. The Hebrew word, again, I'm going back to Hebrew a bunch tonight. This Hebrew word, rada, it means, it's the word for dominion. It means to reign or rule. That word dominion means to have rulership or reign over. And it was our assignment. Man was created to rule. It means to have authority over the entire earth. Authority over the earth. And so, it's important. We're getting to know God. We've got to understand this beautiful wonderful place in God's heart that we hold for him to entrust the earth to our authority it was his absolute joy everybody say joy the joy of God was to give us the authority to have dominion look at Psalm 8 keep your finger over there in in, uh Genesis 1, but flip over to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8, 
Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. We're going to start there. I'm going to read it in the Passion, if you can follow along or just listen. Listen to what this says. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars, mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship up above, I have to ask this question. Verse 4, Compared to all of this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal man? Or to be infatuated with Adam's sons. So he's saying, why do you care about man? Look at all of that. Look at little old me. Why in the world, God, would you care about me more than all of this magnificent creation? That's what he's saying. Verse 5 says, Yet what honor... You have given to men, created only a little lower than Elohim. Crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence, you have delegated to them mastery over all that you have made, making everything subservient to their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of of your image bearers. Woo! Verse 8 says, All the created order and every living thing of the earth, sky, and sea, and the wildest beast and all of the sea creatures, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. That's me. That's you. Did you hear what that said? God's given us authority over all of it. He created us with that authority and everything He created was supposed to be under my authority. He gave it to us. He gave us so much authority on this earth. Get this. We had so much authority that we even had the authority to give our authority to someone else. Oops. That's, that's a lot of authority. We had such authority in this earth that we had the authority to give our authority to someone else. And that's what Adam did. Right? Look again back over at Genesis chapter 1. And start in verse 28. Genesis 1, 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And we won't talk about that word replenish, because that's a whole nother sermon. But we're going to talk about a little bit about our responsibility to be fruitful and multiply. God gave us responsibilities have dominion over the earth. Oh, by the way, here's another one. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with my human family. 
is what he was saying. Now, God could have just spoken all of us into existence all at once if he wanted to. If he wanted it to be that way. He could have just said, mankind be and everyone that would ever be created would have been created all at once. But he didn't do it that way. He gave Adam and Eve the responsibility to reproduce themselves. He gave man the responsibility to reproduce yourself. I actually think Father God enjoys watching new little lives come into existence. Right? The same way we like to see our little grandchildren be born. God was like the ultimate grandpa. And so these offspring children of Adam and Eve for, for on and on for generations, they are for the joy and the glory of God. And so God entrusted man to birth them and rear them and educate them, teach them, show them, show them how to love the Father. He gave those responsibilities to Adam, to man. We became the custodians of God's joy. That's pretty cool. We are the holders of the joy of the Lord. We always think about the joy of the Lord benefiting me, but when we, when we multiply and replenish the earth, we are giving joy back to God because that's what He told us to do. Right? Another responsibility is found in verse 29. Keep going right there. It says, And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is on the face of the earth, every tree in which is fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air, to everything that creepeth un uh, upon the earth, Wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Right? And so man's responsibility was to tend the garden. Take care of this earth. Make use of all the food that's been provided. Do you think Adam had to toil for his food before the fall? No. Adam ruled the earth with his words. Now understand, Adam was created in the image of God. God's method is the use of his words. So Adam ruled this earth with his words. It's important. I want to stress to you the importance of words. Right? Our words have creative power. Our words have creative power. You were created by faith through the spoken word. God spoke and things came into being. And cre he created you in his likeness, in his image. A little lower than the original blueprint, right? And therefore man was created to operate in the same manner that God operates. God uses his words and we are to use our words. If Adam wanted a plant to grow over here, he'd just say, plant, grow. 
He wasn't creating something. He was tending the garden with his words. Right? He was calling things that be not as though they are, and there it was. Okay? And it's kind of hard for us to comprehend the measure of the reign and the rule that Adam had on this earth. We think, oh, you know, Adam, he was just like Cody. He just, you know, went to work and went and... And in one way he was, but we overlook the, the magnitude of the, the reign and the rule that he had on this earth. It kind of sounds bad to some people when you say that we're like God. I'm just like God. That to some people that sounds, huh, you think you're just like God, huh? You created like God, you think you're God. Remember this part of that verse, it says, we were created a little lower than Elohim. Now, Elohim is the creator God. God, very God. And we were created... Uh, now, King James in some versions say a little lower than the angels. That's the wrong translation, by the way. The word is Elohim right there, which is exactly the same word in the beginning, Elohim. And then it says, we were created a little lower than Elohim. So what makes us a little bit lower than Elohim? What makes us, when we say we're just like God, and people look at us funny, what is the difference between us and God? Because there is a difference. When you say I'm just like God, it's just like Hamp saying I'm just like Alan. Adam was perfect. God is perfect. Adam was perfect. But here's the difference. Adam had authority, but he didn't have power. The power behind the authority that Adam had is only God's. The power is what separates God from Adam. The power. Sovereign power is the difference maker. And God created us, des designed us to be just like Him in every way. And then He took the power He had, the authority, and He delegated it to us to operate on this earth just like Him. That's hard for some people to swallow. But the difference is without His power, our authority doesn't mean anything. See, we, we have authority over our body to speak with regard to healing. And some people get confused and say, I'm the master of my healing. If I just speak these words over me, healing will come. And that's true only because of the power that's behind the authority. Amen? And so... You know who else knew about that power and that authority? That serpent. That serpent that came into the garden, he didn't have any authority or power. He had no authority and no power. 
And he knew he had to trick somebody into giving him some authority. And that's exactly what he still does today. Satan has no authority over you unless you give it to him. He could not take Adam and Eve's authority away from them. He had to trick them into giving it to him. And that's still what he's doing. Right? And so, all of this, why does all this matter? Why does it matter at all what God intended for it to look like? I mean, we messed it up already, right? We messed it up. We lost the garden. We messed it up. Now sin's in the world. Why does it matter that we were created in God's image or that God wanted us to reign and rule the earth or that we had these perfect minds and perfect bodies and that God wanted us to be fruitful and multiply and all that? Why does it matter? I mean, Adam just messed it all up and it doesn't matter anymore. The answer is, yes, of course it matters. We're getting to know God. Does God change? After the fall, did he change? Did he change his mind about all of the things he'd given Adam? He, he changed his mind and came up with a different way of operating on the earth? No. He doesn't change. And that's why it matters when we're getting to know him. Because he made a way to put it back. He made a way to put it, to restore things. If you want to write something down, write this down. If you want to know God, you got to know what God wanted for you in the first place. So that we can know what He wants to restore to us through Jesus. If you want to know God, you got to know what God wanted for you in the beginning so that you can know what He wants to restore to you through Jesus. If you don't know how, what He wanted for you from the beginning, you go meet Jesus and now you don't know. I mean, yeah, you're saved, but you have no idea what Jesus is giving you back. What was taken from you, what you lost, and what Jesus restores to you. That's why this is important. People say, wouldn't it be cool if we could put it back just like it was in the Garden of Eden? I mean, we can. In some ways, we can. When we receive Jesus into our heart, our heart becomes the new garden. Right? Our heart becomes the new Garden of Eden. Right? That's why this is important. So if this sounded like a history lesson tonight, it had purpose. We need to know what God meant for us so that we can know what Jesus is restoring to us. Amen? That's why we're getting to know God from the very beginning. Are y'all good? Amen, amen. Let's get to know Him, get to know Him. Let's pray.